The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Welcome to Scrambled. This is Nikki Shields. And I'm Chad Douglas. This is episode 37, Teaching Gratitude. And what we just heard was a clip courtesy of YouTube. It's several years old, but I just think it's so adorable. And if I remember right, it was about a, a dad who was teaching his son how to be thankful for things because he was having, I think it was a birthday. It might've been Christmas, but he, there were, there were gifts involved and it was like, I want you to be thankful and, and be gracious whenever you open up. So he wrapped up an avocado as a joke. And then, so when the little boy opens it, you hear him like, it's an avocado. Thanks. <laughs> and so it's just cute. And we're, we're here in front of Christmas um, in just a few days away, at least depends on when you listen to this. And uh, we should also point out, this is our last episode of 2022. Uh, new year, we'll bring new episodes and we're excited for that. And we, again, thank you so much for uh, continuing to tune in, to subscribe to us, to like us on Facebook, to interact with us and uh, to spread the word because that's what we're all about. See, yes. I, I already know gratitude, right? You've got Good it. Good at mean, it. You just, you just modeled it like crazy. I mean, you just, you really did it. So, uh, here's the thing with gratitude. Like it, it is a good behavior. It is a good thing to teach your kids, mm -hmm. but I, I see it as so intricately related to mental health, uh, that, that I, I almost want people to think of it as, um, a state of mind, not so much like okay. a verb or something that you do. And so, um, this episode to, is going to be about, you know, kind of how to, how to model it, how to show it, how to display it and how to encourage that mindset in your own children and in your family. Um, and, and the reason it's so important is because when you can sort of generate thoughts and feelings regarding, you know, being grateful, uh, for what you have or for who you have or whatever, uh, it, it's just so much easier to, fight off anxiety, fight off depression. It, it gives you a good building block for a sense of self, for coping skills, for, you know, thought processes that help you to just stay more positive and optimistic. And so this, this episode will be all about, you know, the value of gratitude, but also how to do it. Because with kids, I mean, here's the thing, they're not hardwired to be grateful. They don't really come out of the hopper that way. <laughs> they, What's, I think I, I've heard somewhere that like every child is a narcissist and a parent's job is to get them to not be. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's That really sums it up nicely. I mean, they, they're just, you know, they're designed to be very self-motivated because mm -hmm. that's a survival instinct for young kids and all these other skills and things and attributes that we want them to have, have to kind of be taught in the process of growing up. And so um, gratitude is one of the most important skills or uh, states of mind, however you want to describe it, um, that I think you can teach your kids. And, so. and some of us, the, us Leos, um, are hardwired to to be a little self-centered. That's just, <laughs> that's stars told us to be that way. So <laughs> that's, right. gosh, get open. that's what you get. <laughs> so, Your horoscope said so. So there's nothing. Yes, else exactly. When, when you look at, uh, I guess, kind of a broad question here, do you find, or do you feel, do you see that folks living with anxiety, living with depression, OCD, are they typically less grateful or is that just an emotion that's harder to, to kind of boil to the top? I, I mean, I think there's probably folks that fit in both categories, but okay. I would say that, you know, it's just harder to get there. You know, if you're, if you're in a state of fear, 
and nervousness and worry about anything, whether it's a specific thing or a more generalized fear and anxiety. Uh, it's just, it's hard to stop and be like, hmm, uh, but I'm so grateful for all this other stuff. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you know, if like you're on the brink of fight or flight a lot of your life, gratitude doesn't seem super natural. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing to just go to, but you, but with practice, like any other skill that we've talked about, if you do it regularly, it becomes more of that kind of second nature response. And so that's, that's kind of the, the, the key to keep in mind when you're teaching kids is that it has to be practiced. It's not something that's just, you're going to have a conversation and all of a sudden your kids are going to walk around just exuding gratitude everywhere they go. It has to be an ongoing thing where they see it and hear it and do it and, and see the benefit of it over time. And then eventually you'll be like, Oh, look, they got an avocado in there. They're grateful for it. <laughs> grateful know? for it. Don't just uh, don't ever get me an avocado. Cause I will not be grateful for it. I just, I can't, can't do the texture, nothing against the taste or anything, but it's just, it's the texture of that. Ah, can't do it. Um, but I would be grateful that you thought of me, I guess, to get a There you go. There you go. I'm getting you a whole case of them. <laughs> Great. So the little little guy that's in that video clip, he's probably five-ish, maybe six. And uh, I might actually say how old he is. But at, at what age should you start teaching your little one gratitude? I, I don't think it's ever too soon to start, you know, modeling. I, of course, little kids aren't going to have a concentrated conversation with you about it. You know, two-year-olds don't have time for that. Um, but I think that you, at a very, very early age, can can model saying thank you or pointing out something that you're grateful for. Gosh, I'm so grateful it's raining today. My garden really needed mm -hmm. it. I mean, you know, that's, that's a great example because oftentimes something like that would be deemed negative. And so somebody might look at the rain and, oh, it's raining today and they're grumpy about it. You know, but if you can find gratitude in that moment, it just is so much easier to deal with hardships or disappointments and those other things that come along. And, and actually psychologically, that's, that's kind of where it is for me. If you can be grateful, you can deal with disappointment so much better. And I don't know about you, Chad, but uh, I have been here on this earth for approximately four decades. And I can tell you that disappointment is kind of an everyday thing. I mean, it just is something we encounter regularly, right? And mm -hmm. so if at a young age, kids learn a skill that can help them sort of deal with their disappointment, isn't that great? Doesn't that, isn't that just better? Yeah. And, and some kids probably are hardwired for that because I know some kids <laughs> who may or may not live in my household that just nothing really affects them. It's like <laughs> something happens like, eh, okay, moving on. <laughs> so that's kind of hardwired where others and me, I mean, I'm my glass is consistently half full. So it's, it's hard for me to find grateful stuff. And I love your analogy there about I'm so glad it's raining because we need it or my garden needs it. I heard somewhere the other day of, of something, and this is going to lead into my question of, of folks when they complain, like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to work. Be grateful you get to go to school. Be gra mm -hmm. grateful you have a job because mm -hmm. other parts and other cultures around the world don't have those quote unquote luxuries we have. So it's changing your frame of mind, but how long does it take to practice to change your frame of mind? Mm -hmm. They say it takes like what, 30 days to change a habit, but you're changing your frame of mind. It's not, mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. I'm glad I get to do this. I might not enjoy every aspect of it, but gosh, I'm glad I get to do it. Glad I get to do this really difficult thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it's it to me, I think of like yoga, which, you know, you can practice yoga and you can you can do yoga on a regular basis, but very few people can achieve a state of like, I have completed yoga, you know, I have done the thing <laughs> and now I am a yogi, you know, and I, I suppose people do that, but you they still have to keep doing it, right? It doesn't, 
they don't have to just stop just because they've achieved this certain level. And so it's kind of the same thing with gratitude that even if you are successful in shifting your state of mind and being more able to recognize the good and, and what you do have to be grateful for, then you can keep doing that and you can just kind of keep practicing that. And here's the thing, there's going to be times you can't, right? Like on a day that you lose someone important to you or on a day you lose your job or you, you know, you have a, you know, a terrible uh, hardship in your life. Um, gratitude is probably not your immediate thought process. Most, even if you're really good at gratitude, mm -hmm. a really bad day is supposed to be a really bad day. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to jump immediately to, but you know, I still have this, this, and this. Some people will do that. And some people will do that eventually. And some people can't get there for a while. And that's okay. Um, it's not designed to like eliminate bad feelings. It's not designed to keep you from feeling anything. It's, it's really just, it's a good skill. And it's great for those little everyday frustrations and disappointments and, and just moments of like a grateful mindset can shift all of that and, and kind of help you get back on track. And we've talked about before, and I think every parent knows little eyes are watching everything you do. And you've, you've mentioned a few times already in this episode of model that behavior. So what are some tips and tricks for us adults that can model gratitude? Okay. So I think the easiest is just wherever you are, treat other people with, with, you know, kind of that air of gratitude. So thank people, thank your cashiers and people who hold the door for you and thank your children. Thank you for picking that up. You know, we sometimes like with spouses or children, we kind of, I shouldn't have to thank you or be grateful for you doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. But actually, don't we all like to feel appreciated? Don't we all yeah. like to kind of have people notice when we do something? Um, and so modeling that by just in your everyday behaviors, show them you know, think, thank all the things that you get. I mean, you don't have to like thank the wall if you don't want, don't get, don't get ridiculous with it, <laughs> <laughs> but show your children what gratitude looks like, you know, from the get go, be a person who practices gratitude and they're going to pick it up, you know, and you'll be able to tell cause you'll, you can kind of test it out when you, when your child receives a gift or somebody does something nice for them. If they instinctively just say, well, thank you, you know, then, you know, they're picking up on it. If they're like, <laughs> You know, somebody holds a door for them and they just like walk through with no regard. Might be time to model that a little bit more. So uh, first tip is just model it, show it, do it. You know, it doesn't have to be a thing that you, you know, harp at them about or nag about. That's that doesn't really click for most kids anyway. But just showing it and modeling it is really, really good. And kind of an extension of that is OK. And so that my mom will appreciate this. She was, you know, the she has always been the thank you note writing mom. Right. So mm -hmm. we've got birthday gifts, any sort of gift along the way. We wrote a thank you note for it. And of course, we didn't enjoy that. Nobody, you know, those aren't fun to write when you're a kid, but we had to do it. And we learned to do it well. So we learned to write thank you notes that showed true gratitude. And I think that was one, uh, you know, one really great gift she gave me is just the ability to, to put into words my gratitude to other people and, and for the things that they give and do for me. Um, and so teaching kids to write thank you notes, writing them yourself, those are all really good ways to just kind of practice that state of being. And sometimes I'll do that when I'm in a, a crummy mood or, you know, things just aren't going my way. I'll just get a thank you note out and think of someone who, you know, I'm grateful for or something that's happened recently that I want to say thank you for. And I'll, I'll write that and send it to them. And it, it just boosts your mood a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of helps you get back in that right state of mind. And like I said, you're supposed to have negative emotions, right? This isn't like a, a fix all for every bad feeling you right. might have. But there's just times when you know that, you know, your thoughts are skewed to the negative and you're having a hard time seeing the good. This is a way to kind of get you back on that track. Uh, and I think just to add on to the thank you note thing, this day and age, ugh, I don't really like that term, but you know, it's, you don't get as much mail as you used to because you've got electronic communication. So getting a handwritten thank you note is so special. And uh -huh. it's like, I got one in the mail a few weeks ago from something and it's just like, 
I read it like three or four times just because it made uh-huh. me feel good. Yep. Um, and I, I know what I did made the other person feel good in which to thank me. Does that make sense? Exactly. And the whole thing is just like good feelings all around. And I, I love to get thank you notes in the mail for different things. And I <laughs> I, I don't think my husband cares so much. You know, he'll, he, I don't know that he reads them when they come in. But when, you know, uh, somebody graduates from school and you send them a gift and then they send a thank you or mm-hmm. somebody gets married or shower gift or whatever, I, I you could just tell the, the folks that take time to really think about it. And I remember this kiddo and I won't name names, of course, but um, he graduated either last year year before from high school. And, you know, we sent him the card and and he wrote back a note and it was the most well-written note mm-hmm. I'd ever gotten from a, a kid that in, and, and it just, I could tell he sat down and he, he made us feel seen and, and really, it was just really well done. And so my point, <laughs> and I do have one, is that um, a, a well-written thank you note can make someone else feel really, really good. So at the same time as writing it can help your state of mind when that person receives it, you know, you can make a big difference in their day too. So, uh, you know, tips one and two are model gratitude, thank others, show your kids how that's done, and then have your kids write thank you notes. And it's really easy when they're little. I printed out these, um, it was the word thank you, just sort of an outline of those words Mm -hmm. and in a little card. And so the kids could color it. And then I could write the note on the inside and then they could be part of that process. So even when they were really little, I had them help with that. And so now that they're older, you know, I'm able to just give them a blank card and be like, Hey, I need you to, you know, sit down and write a couple thank you notes for your birthday presents last week. And it's fun to just kind of see what they come up with on their own and, and let them do their own wording. And you don't, you know, it's not a time to harp and nag and, you know, turn it into a, of power struggle, but it is good to, to just like give them the opportunity to practice that in writing. Yeah. How can you make sure that it's, it's a genuine thank you or does it matter if you're just expressing gratitude? Does it matter if it's really genuine or if it's just, Ugh, I got to do this? I mean, I think this is a, an instance where sometimes fake it till you make it works. I mean, okay. you know, in the case of the avocado at the beginning of the episode, I mean, he said, thank you. You know, he, you could tell he didn't feel it in his soul, but that's okay because he knew what he needed to say there. And that's the the building blocks of, you know, later true gratitude. And so um, I think helping kids to, to learn to write it from a more meaningful place is good, but I think it all takes practice and, you know, each developmental level of your children is going to determine kind of what they need in that space. But those are, those are two ways that I have, you know, tried and practiced and have found some good results with. At what point does gratitude or can it become just dull words? You mentioned earlier in the episode of when someone opens the door for you saying thank you. And I go back to one time on social media, I got called out for doing something that years later, I thought I'm like, huh, but it was someone asked, or I asked someone that I saw, I'm like, how you doing? And usually you reply with what? If I see, hey, Nikki, how's it going? You would say? Good. Right. And you move on. You might say, yeah. how are you? I'm great. Move on. I asked a gentleman once, how's it going? And he told me for a really long time how things were going. <laughs> and so I put on um, Facebook, I think it was, just like, man, I wasn't expecting that. And someone called me out and like, this is what's wrong with the country these days. And this has been years ago. People don't care about people. They expect that they just hear, how's it going? You want to hear good so you can move on about your day and they don't generally care. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, you're fighting back, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you ask how you're doing, you, you want to get it. So now my point in asking this question is, do you ever lose that gratitude of, you know, if you op- open the door for somebody and somebody goes, thanks, like, is it genuine or does it just become numb words because it's said so much? Because you say it so much. I mean, I, I certainly think things can be said with um, a sense of 
fakeness that where you're yeah. like that that tone didn't necessarily connect to my soul. I didn't I didn't hear you know because and I've I've said thank you in a way that might have seemed rushed or brusque or you know just just not as genuine as it was intended or or you know certainly like if you're in a hurry and you're not thinking and you're like thanks you know and it, yeah. yeah there's probably times it doesn't land it, it, even if you meant for it to um, but I but I think in the end you know with kids saying it is is a big part of the battle and I, I think there's personality that goes in there if somebody's super sarcastic and that's kind of their way of communicating the, the other person's going to hear it differently um and so i mean I, I do think it's it's possible to try to be grateful and come off as fake or false mm-hmm. you know but i think that's a different problem you know that that individual might be struggling with and so but that's a good point because i do think that if if you are not a person who experiences a lot of gratitude or expresses a lot of gratitude and you start trying this especially if you're teaching young kids to it might feel a little bit disgenuine initially you might feel like oh, that feels funny but mm-hmm. after a while as you get more comfortable with it the people hearing you say it are going to feel it you know more comfortably as well and so i just like any other like social skill or communication skill it takes practice even eye contact and you go back mm-hmm. to little kids sometimes little kids will say because their parents have done a good job of of teaching gratitude they'll tell you thanks but they won't look in the eye mm-hmm. and then you have kids that will they'll look you in the eye and connect with you and say thank you and you can tell that mm-hmm. it's more genuine, but I still appreciate the thank you mm-hmm. that didn't, you know, do the eye contact. That's, that's another skill that just helps with confidence and, yeah. and, and growing up. So. And, and gratitude and eye contact don't necessarily develop <laughs> at the same time. And no. so like, take what you can get, you know, no. and I, and I just, I was thinking today when I crossed the street in front of my building at work, um, there's a, there's like a crosswalk there and mm-hmm. there's the, you know, the signs that say, you know, stop for pedestrians, but a lot of cars don't stop. Yeah. Um, and those that do like, I will take my mask down and I will wave and smile <laughs> and say, thank you really big. So they can see it because I appreciate that so much. And, and they're probably like, yeah, whatever lady, just get across the street. Like yeah. I'm tired of waiting on you, but <laughs> I still like, I want to thank them because they didn't have to, this, no. they, you know, a lot of people take that sign as just a, a mild suggestion and move on. But but folks do stop and I, and I want to reward that. Right. So gratitude can look very different from person to person. And I just think you have to kind of like look at your children and and look at where you feel like they need it the most. And so, um, you know, digging a little deeper into it, it's, it's not just as simple as having kids write thank you notes or learning to say thank you. Sometimes it's, it's recognizing that your child maybe spends a lot of time in, (laughs) this is not a clinical term, but in a pity party, right. Or they're feeling bad for themselves and they're really struggling to like see that they're particular problem is maybe not the biggest problem in the world. They're really stuck in it. And so gratitude can be a really good skill to kind of pull them out of it. So another tip or strategy that you can use is just in those, especially during tough moments, you know, listen, hear, empathize, do all that stuff. But then say, okay, I want you to think of three things that did go really well today. We know that this didn't go so well and you didn't really enjoy that. But what are some things that did go well? Or what are some things that made you feel, you know, happy or made you laugh? What, you know, kind of pulling them out of that sort of negative mindset and helping them to think about a different state of mind, a different experience. And that's another version of gratitude for kids. And so um, if that's something that helps your kiddos, I've worked with families where they do gratitude journals where, you know, first thing in the morning or right before bed or sometimes at you know, a family meal or whatever, they're either listing out loud or they're writing down, you know, the, the things that they're grateful or grateful for on that day. Um, and there's a whole market for gratitude journals today and, and gratitude notebooks and tools and all kinds of things. And if you, you know, you go to Amazon and you just look up gratitude, you'll find all kinds of things that are designed to help you be more grateful and help you be in a better state of mind. So there's lots of stuff out there to help with it, but the key is the practice and then using it at a time 
that is good. But that leads me to a point that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. If your child is having, you know, a breakdown, a really hard day, their anxiety is just through the roof. That is not the time to like shove gratitude up their noses. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, they're not going to be receptive to it. Is there a time to shove anything up (laughs) someone's nose? Okay. Great argument. Um, (laughs) No, you should not shove things in anyone's noses. Let's, um, we're going to have to talk to our attorneys about this one. Um, So no, but if they're in a really emotional state, don't lead with that. You know, you have to, you have to use the other skills we've talked about empathy, you know, listening, figuring out the emotion behind the behaviors, start there, start with the basics, all the things we've talked about in like episodes one through six. Right. And then when they're in a better state of mind, gratitude can be a good way to solidify that better state of mind and help pull them out. And the more that they practice that and have the ability to find the good, the easier it is to, you know, kind of eventually move out of grumpy, you know, crabby states of mind later on. Mm -hmm. What about, I think of it as guilt because I've used it um, on my children before <laughs> and it's it, of kind of what we talked about earlier in the episode too about be thankful you get to go to school because other children don't have that opportunity, right? You know, if you say, and I heard a comedian say once of, and my parents did this when I was growing up, like clean your plate, there are kids starving in Africa and the comedian's like, you're going to box it up and mail it to them? No, you're going to throw it away. So <laughs> is there is there anything good of, of teaching like, well, others don't have what you have, so you should be grateful or is that just mean? I think, I don't think it's mean. I just think for kids, it's a lot of lip service if you can't back mm. it up. So if if you're worried that your kids don't understand how much they have and how, you know, how blessed they are, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Um, give <laughs> them opportunities. Spoiled, yeah, everyone, whatever <laughs> word you want to use. Um, give them opportunities to see. And and any and this is this would be like number four. I don't know what number we're on, Chad. You're supposed to keep track of the math here. But <laughs> math um, me not good. <laughs> somebody's gonna have to do it. Uh, but but serve. Show them acts of service. Go and volunteer and do things where you serve others and show them that there are people truly who who don't have what they do. And and it is so much easier for them to go. Oh, my gosh, you know, when they when they have experienced the just the the, the feeling of helping another person mm-hmm. who maybe was, you know, less fortunate than themselves. And so there's I mean, wherever you go, there's so many ways you can volunteer. There's there's and I think they're called angel trees. I think you know more about this than me, but there's places where you can give gifts to people that might not otherwise have them for different holidays. Um, and there's there's lots of different ways that you can teach your kids to volunteer and give back and serve others. And I think, you know, many churches and youth groups, they do mission projects and different, different things like that, where they're very volunteer based and kids learn a lot of skills from that. So um, if you, if you want them to understand what they do have, you, you have to give them opportunities to serve and you have to, you, you have to kind of create opportunities for them to see other experiences beyond their own. So one thing we did, and with this, the, the timing of this episode is not going to be great for Christmas, but for years, and I will flat out admit, I stole this from a good friend of mine, but she would do this with her kids. I'm like, what a great idea. So we would go to these angel trees and I would take my kids and my son, you know, he's five. We'd pick out a five-year-old boy and my daughter who'd be, you know, three, we'd pick out a three-year-old girl and they would go buy a toy for someone their age. That works for younger children and older children, but stuff like going to a soup kitchen or something like that scares me a little because you you don't know what you're going to get. So I think your your child has to be a little older <laughs> to do something like that because you might hear words or um, things that you don't understand or you're going to have to do a lot of explaining once you're <laughs> once you're done. So is there any kind of timeline, age limits thing you can say to help folks out? 
I can't really speak to that clinically other than like know, know your child, know okay. their tolerance for uncomfortable situations, for uh, new and novel situations, for socially, you know, unusual situations where someone may not, you know, smell the same as them or may not practice the same, you know, clothing habits or, or hygiene mm-hmm. habits and, you know, just like know what they can tolerate okay. um, and, and what they know how to deal with them. Because if you've got a kid who comments on everything that's unusual for them, mm-hmm. if you've got a child who, who is super sensitive to smell or sound or anything that's sort of like out of the ordinary um, where it could be more uncomfortable than, than helpful, okay. you know, then it's not time like wait. Um, but there's other ways, you know, the, the buying a gift for a child, the same age, that's, really good opportunity uh, for them. And, and, but like soup kitchens and other places where you can serve just, you know, you might even ask the people who organize it, do they have age cutoffs? Do they recommend a certain mm. age? Cause I'm sure that they've had people come in that, you know, maybe wasn't the, the kids weren't quite ready for it. Um, and so looking for that. And we also, you know, y- your family can create traditions around giving um, when, when it works. Right. So we try to do something nice, you know, at the end of each year, for someone. And, and it's usually an anonymous sort of thing. And, and it might be someone we know, and we just know that they're struggling. And so mm-hmm. we do something sort of that they don't know about. And um, so we're trying to teach the kids that, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from giving without getting any credit for the giving. And and just that that feeling of, of generosity and how how nice that feels, you know, for the giver and the, the person who might be receiving from it. So there's lots of different ways to show your kids that and kind of create a, a sense of service to others. I just, I think that that goes a long way towards teaching gratitude. And I now work in the nonprofit sector. So I can, I can guarantee you, you call a, a local nonprofit, even if they service that type of, of clientele and whatnot, they can find something for you to do that's going to help mm-hmm. out in the, in the long run. Maybe you're sorting food items in the food pantry or you're collecting um, cereal. My my kids mm-hmm. um, elementary school just collected a, a 400 boxes of cereal to donate to a local food pantry. So there's ways you can still help without being mm-hmm. on the front line, boots on Absolutely. the ground kind of thing. So I find out a, an organization that means a lot to you in your heart and and they will find something for you to do. I can They will. It. Yep. All of them. 4-H and different church groups. Yeah. There's so many different places that kids can get involved and do service work. And I just think it builds so much for your children, self-esteem, confidence. Um, you know, I, my kids did a, they were in what it was, it was 4-H. And so they had to, they served this dinner and I just kind of stood back and I watched a completely different side of my kids emerge mm-hmm. because they were waiting tables and cleaning up after other people and helping them and bringing them things and serving. And it was like, whoa, this is really great. It, it's really cool to see your kids in that light. Um, so giving them opportunities to test that that idea of giving and serving is really, really good. And when you volunteer your time and mm-hmm. that's just a value that you instill in your household because you do it, then your kids do it too. And then they grow up to do very similar things as well. So, um, and related, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, we like to do something for others certain times of year, random acts of kindness, any time of the year are a really good way to teach gratitude. And so we, we've been the recipient of some surprising little things that, and, and even, I mean, I'm assure you that if I'm in line at the coffee shop and I'm prepared to spend five to $6 on a cup of coffee, I'm probably doing okay. Like I can afford that cup yeah. of coffee. I wouldn't be there. But when somebody else pays for your order, there's just like a, a warm feeling of like, huh, wow, that was very nice of them. And so when they, when the kids get to see those kinds of things happen or you participate in that kind of a thing, the pay it forward mindset, that kids can respond to that. And, you know, even young, they may not understand. Um, I took one of my kiddos out to dinner one time and somebody paid for our meal and nice. she, she just couldn't, she couldn't believe it. She was like, why did they do that? And so they, it opened a door to a really nice conversation mm-hmm. about how kind people can be. And I do think that that, 
that goes so nicely with that idea of gratitude and being able to, you know, be in that state of mind. See, in my glass half empty status would be someone would buy my cheeseburger and fries. And so I would pay it forward to the large van behind me that's going to be like a $400 bill at the fast food restaurant, but whatever, whatever. I came here to spend $11 and now I have to spend paying it all forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's limits to everything. I've read some articles and heard some feedback that those, you know, when people kind of get in that cycle of, well, they paid for yours, so they yeah. do pay for hers. That's a little bit like losing the point that it should be more anonymous. It should be more, you know, random or, or you should be more pointed about it and choose someone that you know could benefit and not just a random person who might be more well off than you. But you, but, don't, you don't want to be the the blank person that stops it, you know, every, yeah. if everybody's, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, you're going to do it, but it's got to stop somewhere. And I, I, I kind of agree. And that kind of goes with the, the blending the lines of genuineness is like, yeah. are you still doing it because you want to help and be grateful or are you doing it just because the pressure of the person in front yeah. of you did it to you because you feel obligated because yes, of the train that you're involved in yeah right and I, and I think the the whole idea though is for kids to have that experience of oh gosh you know that feels good and look at the look at the good that happens look at the good that I can do and then being able to kind of harness that positive emotion and use that when they need to so kind of summing up so there's you know saying thank you writing thank you notes volunteering, doing random acts of kindness, um, teaching your kids about serving others, giving them opportunities to help those that that might be less fortunate. Those are all really good ways to teach gratitude. The last thing I would add is I've talked in previous episodes about the seminar that I set through there, a conference, whatnot, where the guy said, you know, dominate the listening. And it really mm -hmm. stuck with me. Something else he said that has stuck with me that I've implemented into the light, into my life is when someone says, thank you, say the words, you're welcome. Don't do no problem or NP or any time, no big deal. Say you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. It just means a little bit more, I think. It does. It does. Another strategy to help kids learn gratitude is helping them to learn the difference between wants and needs. And that mm -hmm. seems super simple, right, Chad? Until you're talking with your 14-year-old about <laughs> what he or she wants versus what he or she needs. And, and so it's just kids are like, you know, we've talked about them being hardwired. They can't tell the difference. You know, they want a certain pair of shoes. Well, they need shoes, yes. But do they need that particular type of shoes right. that costs, you know, three paychecks? No, you know. And so helping them to understand that. And so ways that you can do it, one is having conversations about it and then sort of quizzing them. Is that a want or a need? And then getting them to answer it. But, um, you know, defining needs are things that you need to survive, things that you have to have to be socially appropriate, things that, you know, just kind of help you, you know, follow the rules and do what you're supposed to do. Wants are things that that are outside of that, that you would really enjoy having, but your life would go on just fine without it. And so helping them to understand that and then quizzing them. And you can even, you know, if they're making a birthday wish list or they're making a Christmas wish list, you can have them, you know, okay, I want you to mark need next to things on here that you need. And I want you to mark want next to things that you really want. And and then it, and then it's, it's a funny conversation. You don't want to go into it like it's an actual quiz with a grade or something, because then you're going to get frustrated. But you can have a, a humorous <laughs> conversation where you're like, mm, you need a cotton candy maker? I don't know about that, you know? <laughs> uh, mom or dad might need that. <laughs> Being able to differentiate that is an important life skill. And I will say as a grown person, I do sometimes still struggle, right? With mm -hmm, the difference yeah. between wants and needs. Yeah. I, I actually had this conversation the day we recorded this episode with my kids. And I said, I'm required to put food in your belly and a roof over your head. Check, check. Mm -hmm. Everything else, 
I don't have to do. And that is a privilege. It is not a right. So have at it. That's and right. then I took and- something away. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and related to that, you know, like having them earn the things that they really, really want can make them just appreciate that thing that much more and take better care of it. And so there were these ridiculous dolls that my child wanted when she was a little bit younger and they, they looked like human babies, but they, they were disturbing. I don't want to get into that. That's an <laughs> episode for another day, but she wanted these things and they were really expensive. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't in a position where I could justify that kind of cost on something that creeped me out. So <laughs> I said, if you want one, you're going to need to save your money and buy it yourself. And by golly, she did. And she would she would ask, you know, can I do chores to earn some money? And I'd give her a couple bucks here and there. But eventually she had enough money and she bought that hideous doll. I mean, that doll that she loved so much. The one that's right know. behind you? Yeah, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned chores. Can that add? I mean, I would think that would add to, gra- to gratitude too. Yes, oh, you're making gosh. money for it, but you're also being a little bit more thankful for what mom mm-hmm. and dad go through when they take out the trash, clean the yeah. toilets. And, and when kids have to do things, like there's just some appreciation of what everybody else around them is doing. I mean, you know, if you're a kid that you've cleaned a toilet, you have so much more appreciation of, you know, other people who maybe do that for a living or the yeah. people who at school or work are taking care of those kinds of jobs. And so it's good for them to know. But um, at the same time, like, even if they're doing chores where they are earning a little bit of cash for it, because you don't have to pay your kids for chores, but we'll talk about that another time. But for, for this purpose, uh, it just it helps them to understand the value of a dollar. You know, yeah. uh, when kids understand that, you know, how much it takes to add up to the cost of whatever the thing they want is, it, it's just they can be more patient and they can be more appreciative. And what I've seen is that by having kids earn things and kind of understanding the difference between need and want, when we're at a store and, and you know, hey, mom, can I have this? Well, is it a need or a want? It's a want. If you had the money for it, would you buy it? No. Okay. Then mm. we're not going to get it, you know? And so you're just, it kind of it breaks down some conversations that you can have. Now this, I'm talking about things with like older, you know, tweens and teens, but younger children, you have to talk about that, this in, in more concrete ways because they, they really yeah. aren't going to understand the value of a dollar. But, but the key here is, is really just, you know, helping them to earn and, and take care of things. I've seen kids with video game systems and some of those more expensive toys, if they had to pay for them, they don't no throw that controller, yeah. you know, they take much better care of it because it was their money that went into it. Yeah. And then you get to explain taxes, but I'm so grateful that we get to pay taxes, Nikki. <laughs> all the good stuff that comes from the tax dollars. Good stuff. I love how you're using your skills there. Yeah. See what I've learned? Uh-huh. You had mentioned uh, to me sometime offline about less is more days and I kind of think of like when you have yes days where the parent can't say no, I'm guessing this is like pick a day and, and go electronic free or Mm -hmm. do something with, with a privilege or do without that privilege for the day, just to, just to kind of enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But I, I think kids suffer from affluenza sometimes where they have so Hmm. much, they don't know, you know, the value of what they do have and they just can't appreciate it in that way. And so if less is more days can be lots of different things. It can be exactly what you just said, where maybe you're electronic free for a certain amount of time. And that gives you the opportunity to see what life is like without it and how convenient it is to have it. And you might just appreciate it that much more. Um, And it, you know, or it might be, we're not gonna spend money today. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, spend from a very small budget for only the things we need. And you, you can use that concept in a lot of different ways. Uh, But the idea is that you're, you're teaching your kids that it's not really about stuff. It's, you know, it's more about like time together and, and those kinds of things. And so 
I do think though, kind of doing a, a reach back, you can take something and stuff it up your nose like a nasal spray if you have affluenza, right? <laughs> or did or did I miss did I miss that? Did I not listen to what that was? I'm gonna have to ask you to stop putting things up your nose. I thought I thought we had covered that. This is we're not doing that here. <laughs> All right, are we done here? I think so because we have both <laughs> fallen off the deep end. Okay, Vicky. So then to wrap up. What can all of this gratitude teach us? Can it make it make us happier? Yes, yes, it can. Research has consistently shown that people who focus on what they have and practice gratitude are consistently happier. Um, it's huh. it's really cool. Study after study has shown that these practices make a difference in overall mood. Not a fix-all. Again, you're still supposed to have negative emotions and uh, hard experiences should sometimes make you feel bad, right? But a practice of gratitude can help you find the good faster and kind of get back to your baseline quicker after something difficult takes place. Very nice. Well, if we are eternally grateful for you who listen to this and again, subscribe to the Scrambled Podcast, share it on Facebook. It's always great to get your feedback. And we often ask if you do like what you're hearing, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps uh, kind of move us up the charts. It it's just more eyes and ears on the podcast. And that was our whole goal was starting this conversation. And that conversation continues with you. 